Welcome to Indigenous Success. Doing it, thinking it, being it. With Dr. Caitlin Barney and Professor Tracy Bunder. Hi everyone, I'm Caitlin and welcome to our podcast series, Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It, Being It. I'd like to start the podcast by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands where we're recording this today and pay my respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue to have strong spiritual and cultural connections to country. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where you're listening from today and pay my respects to them. The podcast series focuses on what works in outreach programs for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander school students. This series is part of a suite of resources developed from an equity fellowship that I undertook in 2020, funded by the National Centre for Student Equity in Higher Education. It focuses on success factors that are based on key findings from the fellowship. Each episode is an interview with an Indigenous staff member or student about aspects of effective outreach programs. I'm a non-Indigenous woman born and raised on Jagger and Turrbal country, and I'm joined by my co-host and colleague, Professor Tracy Bunder, who was part of the advisory group on the fellowship. Hello, everybody. I too would like to acknowledge traditional owners of country, wherever you may be listening. I'm a Noogie Waka Waka woman and currently the acting director of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies Unit at the University of Queensland. Caitlin and I decided to call the podcast series Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It, Being It, because there are multiple understandings of success in this context. What are the influences on our lives that lead to success? What are those life experiences that help us to be successful? Does location or context play a part? And what are the cultural matters that help inform success. Also you'll hear Caitlin and I use the terms Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Indigenous First Nations in this podcast and we want to acknowledge this and note we are aware of the diversity and different perspectives on the use of these terms. We hope the podcast series is useful for outreach practitioners working with Indigenous students but we also hope the podcast is useful for anyone with an interest in student equity and student success in higher education more generally. Our guest today is Chris Miller, who is Indigenous Engagement Project Officer at Western Sydney University. And we're really keen to hear about how outreach staff can weave cultural aspects into outreach programs, particularly for years seven to nine. So welcome, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Chris, would you mind to introduce yourself in whatever way you are comfortable? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Chris Miller. I'm a Wiradjuri man, I'm currently living on Dara country out in the Hawkesbury region. My family come from a little town called Trangy, just outside of um, Dubbo. Um, and my father um, was um, went through the different homes and, and has moved out this way towards Western Sydney. Uh, I've spent my whole life in Western Sydney. Yeah, very honoured to live on these lands. Thanks, Chris. Chris, can you tell us a bit about your role at the university? My job um, is primarily um, in the Pathways to Dreaming program that we have here at Western Sydney University. So a lot of the work we do is with secondary um, schools, um, secondary Indigenous students. We work as a um, aspirations program. So a lot of the work I do is mentoring in school with, with our students and our young people um, and, and working with, with a lot of teachers um, as well in supporting those students. 
One of the findings from the fellowship is that most outreach programs for Indigenous students are in years 10 to 12, but that earlier engagement with students in early years of high school is a really key time to develop age and stage appropriate outreach to these students. And Professor Maria Rossidi has written about this as well in terms of the timing of outreach programs. Can you tell us a bit about the outreach programs you run for the early years of high school? The program that I work with um, works with years 8 to 12 currently. We have um, some different components to, to the delivery um, of our program. So we, we do in-school mentoring, um, which is a different workshop in school with each year group. We do online yarning, which we've taken up um, as a really important way to talk about culture with some of the kids um, in the current COVID-19 climate. Um, and then we also have the uh, on-campus experience days, which are a day where each um, year, gr year group will be able to come out and um, they get to experience what it's like to, to be on campus at Western. So lots of different workshops and, and also get to meet the people um, in our Badanami Centre as well for student support. The importance of cultural aspects of the camps, um, Chris, Chris, which you just touched on, was a theme that came through in interviews with students and staff during the fellowship that um, Caitlin has undertaken. Can you tell us a little bit more about those cultural aspects included in the programs that you have for the students that you bring on campus? Some like we we try to embed culture in everything we, we do um, as much as we can in our team. For our campus experience days, for example, we will try and run different workshops with different cultural providers um, in the local area. Um, for example, we we ran a uh, workshop with our year year eight students, which was cultural art. So they they got to have a, a big workshop with one of our local art providers, and we kind of incorporate that in with a lot of the other more academic workshops and, and subject interest workshops that we sort of run. That's something that we try to do at every on-campus experience day, but not just at our on-campus experience days, like our whole uh, our yarning, online yarning sessions that we run, they're, they're all about embedding culture and, and looking at different aspects of culture that we have, um, as well as some of the mentoring workshops that we do as well. What about with COVID and, and the shift to online? Um, have outreach activities. How do you include these cultural elements in the online space? You were talking about the mentoring program, for example. It's, it's definitely um, not without its challenges. One of the things that we, we really try to do is, um, particularly our online yarning that has been quite successful, um, is just to go through more broader aspects of culture um, and, and, you know, try and make it fun. We, we, we do have a lot of our... Um, little quizzes at the end where students can win prizes for listening in. We cover a pretty broad range of topics, um, looking at things such as like, you know, the political rights, um, freedom rides and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, we also look at, you know, mentoring sessions such as song lines um, and give a bit of a broad overview. One of the things that I think is really important is that students still have access to, to um, culture and, and that knowledge as much as possible. Um, and we're hoping that in future we can embed more um, community in our online activities as well. Because Chris, also I think when you've got on-campus activities, you're bringing elders onto campus as well. So is there a way of of doing that in the online space to have elders involved? Our uni is, is still, I think, looking at doing. Um, it's something that we're not doing at the moment 
just with um, access, I think is a really hard thing, um, especially for our elders. Um, one thing that we do do is we have got some pre-recorded stuff that we work with elders like our welcomes um, that we have at Western. And we do have some pre-recorded content that we're trying to um, get up and running on some of our online hubs um, as some resources. But in terms of like, um, I guess, live engagement, it's, it's not something that we've been able to do. Yeah, it is. It's tough in the online space. You also have an outreach program, I believe, for primary aged students um, called Heartbeat, which I really like the name of. Can you talk a bit about the activities that you do with these younger students and how do you make sure that they're age and stage appropriate? Yes. um, So Heartbeat kind of doesn't kind of, it aligns with our program in the sense that um, it's all about building the aspirations of of our young people. um, And that's something that is consistent across both of our programs. Um, Heartbeat works with um, years three to six across schools in Great Western Sydney. And and the whole idea is, um, you know, it's it's very much based around raising awareness of health and wellbeing. Um, That's sort of how it all sort of started off. I know that um, our main project officer for that program um, has introduced some um, more cultural um, activities and aspects into that this year recently. But the whole idea, I guess, of the program originally was that it was um, getting students to think about careers in health, nursing, midwifery, um, and sort of start thinking about breaking down the barriers at an early age um, to tertiary education. Is that operated in school time or um, post-school time? So usually it's done in school. We'll generally have um, a project officer go out to a a school. Um, it, It might be during class time. Sometimes it might be during recess or one of the breaks Mm. and we'll find that um, they'll get our ambassadors out as well. So we do have student ambassadors who are current students here at Western working with the project officers and the activities and and helping coordinate with the students. What about post-engagement? you know, beyond the program. So that was one of the findings as well of the fellowship was the importance of continuing that engagement with Indigenous students, you know, after the program's finished. Um, How do you ensure post-engagement with students? Before, you know, we've talked and you've mentioned um, the idea of the 13th year, which I thought was interesting. I think that's something that we definitely don't do enough of. Uh, I think that's something that's a big area for us to improve on and develop further. Um, We do... We do work very closely with um, Badanami, who are our Indigenous Support Services um, team at Western. And we do often um, try and steer some of the students towards um, you know, the opportunities of working with us as a student ambassador. But in terms of following up in the 13th year, um, yeah, it's not something that we've done as much of as we should, I think. Chris, the podcast is called Indigenous Success, Doing It, mm-hmm. Thinking It, Being It. Can I just ask you what you think success means? Success isn't just about the achievement itself. You know, the achievements that our people have are are amazing um, in many aspects. But I think for me, it's about inspiring others. That's something that really drove me to do what I do today. Um, and, and I think we've all been inspired by someone in our lives, no matter which 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 way we've kind of gone in our in our world. So I think in terms of, of me, um, it's, it's, it's inspiring the next generation to keep pushing forward and to keep doing great things for our communities. 
Thanks, Chris, for joining us. It's been really great to talk to you, especially about those programs for early years of high school and also for primary school, which I think is really great as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Caitlin and I both want to thank you for joining this podcast series, Indigenous Success, Doing It, Thinking It and Being It. If you've got any questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts that you may have listened to, please contact Caitlin on her email address, k.barney, that is B-A-R-N-E-Y, k.barney at uq.edu.au. Thank you very much, and we hope that you'll join us in the future.